Well, good morning. How's everyone today? Yeah, you just don't seem convinced. Just came off of Thanksgiving. I'm sure y'all like kind of in the whole like stupor of eating too much turkey. Uh, we had two turkeys and a ham at our place. I think our eyes were bigger than our uh, stomachs in a little bit, a little bit. But we did smoke one turkey out, outside in the smoker, and so and I wanted a turkey. The smell in the house, um, and actually I didn't realize. So we had one of these foil pans. And just, can I give you a bit of just turkey? Can I just totally no pastoral? Just, this, this is just a help to you on Thanksgiving. If you ever use one of the foil pans, maybe you all know this. I didn't. I'm going to put water in it next time to make sure that there's no mini, like tiny little hole in it. Because my turkey, the juice was leaking down into the bottom of the oven. And, you know, it's like, somebody's like, what's that smell? You know, and it's like, oh, we opened, there's a little bit of smoke, you know. And we're like, <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden it's like more and more. And I shut the oven off and it's just billowing out we've got all the windows we're like evacuating the baby and the dogs and everything else and so my turkey filled the house with a smell for sure um but it wasn't quite the smell we, we did manage we caught it soon enough the turkey tasted great we maybe maybe had two smoked turkeys instead of one uh in that case but um yeah so do that i would encourage you all to make sure you check your pan those little pans before you actually put your full faith in them um, but I do hope you had a good Thanksgiving, and it is great to see all of you. Just want to welcome you. I want to welcome everyone watching online as well. And for those of you who may be new, uh, I'm, uh, my name is Del, one of the pastors here, and it's great to have you. Um, just one quick uh, thing to wrap up our November season here. Uh, we're going to be wrapping up our, our Count Me In, uh, which is those blue envelopes. And again, that's just a way for us to kind of close the gap a little bit as we approach the end of the year. Um, this is, I hate to say it's typical, but there's usually a little dip and then it kind of will go up towards the end of the year. But we really want to finish this year well. And how you finish this year really sets you up on how you start next year. So just want to encourage you, if you're going to give towards that, please make sure you do so today so we can close out um, all of that uh, by the end of the month. Uh, we appreciate your uh, faithfulness and support in that. So it seems pretty crazy today. I don't know about you, but it, because it, this is so close to Thanksgiving, right? It's just like we just finished Thanksgiving. I think all of our, you know, the stores and everything else really help us to shift gear. It's like, like little magic fairies come in or something, and all of a sudden you go from like Thanksgiving to just full Christmas the next day. Um, did anybody do any Black Friday shopping? Any diehard early yeah, not so many anymore. I, I don't go out. I don't know if it's because of the online, you know, capabilities now where we can do that online. And, but we used to do it all the time, you know, when we were uh, first married. Uh, you know, it would be go to sleep. You wake up, still dark outside. You've got, like, your map of all the stores, you know, you're going to divide and conquer. And now it's like, that doesn't sound fun at all to me. I would rather sleep. And I'll get up with my coffee and sit down on my computer and click all my Christmas gifts, you know. It's a lot easier that way. Um, but yeah, it's just really amazing, though, how we're just so quickly into this Christmas season, into the season of Advent. Um, and so, you know, today we are kicking off our series for, uh, for Christmas and for Advent. And, you know, it's, it's called He Shall Be Called. And, and we're going to go through each of these names over the next four weeks. Um, because each name is, is important. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And Jesus is, is all of these things. And, you know, when we think about a name, right, um, I'm not going to ask you how many people have names in here because we all have a name, right? 
you were named uh, at birth, probably most of us anyway, hopefully. Um, how many of you really stressed out over naming your son or daughter? Like, did you, did you have a hard time? Was there any, like, marital disputes or anything? Or You guys all just had it down? Really? Okay. Yeah, you guys, wow. God bless you. Um, you know, we weren't quite that, uh, for the most part, we would agree. Sometimes we'd agree on the first name, but not the second name. Or um, I think it worked out where I, for, the, for Isaac, the first son, I got the first name. She got the middle name. Then we switched for Noah. Then after that, I think it was like the wheel we'd spin or something and just pick whatever. But it's kind of stressful. And I don't know. I'm, I'm interested, though, and I don't, I don't want to unpack this too much or like do a huge survey. But because I just wonder, like, if people really think anymore, if they, they really put a lot of thought into the meaning of the name versus just like, hey, let me look at the top 10 names. I like that name. Let's go with that. Or maybe I'm not going to say show of hands. How many of you, you know, maybe some of you were named after like uh, a, a person in the family, a family member, right? Maybe a few of you. Or perhaps, um, I've even heard, and this is crazy, the city that you were conceived in. Nobody? No. Okay. There's actually people that, yeah, that was, that was what, I'm like, I'm, at, I'm thinking to the parents, like, who in the world would come up, would name their child, like, okay, yeah, that was, no, that's not okay. That's probably should have done a little better, a little better planning on that. But there's just lots of uh, background in where names come from, right? And when we, you know, when we name a child or name our, our, our son or daughter, and to think about what that name means is really important. And, you know, I, I think of my kids. For example, Isaac, his name means laughter. And sorry, but I don't mean to, they're all in here today. So, but he, he's got like one of the best laughs, especially when he was a kid. He would just laugh. I was going to show a video, but I won't do that today. You know, he just has this, this contagious laugh. It just makes you laugh, you know. And it's just interesting how his name means laughter, and then he's got this amazing laugh. Um, Noah means rest, which Noah, if you've ever met him, is probably one of the most chill people you'll ever meet. Um, he's just relaxed, and he's kind of the peacemaker in the house. And so that's kind of funny. Joshua, which comes from um, the, the same place where Jesus comes from, and it means uh, may Jehovah may Jehovah help him. And I think they got that one wrong, though, because I feel like it should be, may Jehovah help us. Um, he, you know, as you know, uh, he's a bit of a handful. Um, and then, interestingly enough, Levi, our newest little guy, uh, he means united and joined. And it's pretty incredible. Again, he's still young, but just how, you know, our kids are really handsome. He's really, in a lot of ways, brought our family kind of together. Um, and we'll see if that lasts. Hopefully, God willing, it will. But it's just very intriguing, though, right? Like, because names have meanings. And I don't know if we always think about it, but names matter. And, you know, as we approach this series, as we approach kind of this thought, as we go through these, these names given to Jesus, we really want to stop and kind of unpack each one because why they have deep meaning to them. You know, God could have named Jesus, he could have applied any names, right? But he chose these specific ones, and so I think it's important that we go ahead and, and, and jump in and, and really take a look. So um, today is going to be a little bit of heavy lifting because we're starting the series, and so we want to give some, some background, some context to what's going on, and then that'll carry us into all the, the rest of the weeks that we're doing this. So if you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn to the book of Isaiah. And, you know, we heard that the verse quoted that's very familiar from, from chapter 9 today, but we're going to back up to chapter 7 just to kind of give us a, a little bit of an idea of what's happening and in Isaiah chapter 7, and, and beginning in verse 1, um, 
In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Arezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Now, be thankful you didn't have to come up here and read all these names, right? Because they all have meanings too, but they're kind of fun to say. But and what we see happening here is we want to look at uh, this King Ahaz, right? King Ahaz. And it is, it is around the time of 730 BC. That's a, a long, long time ago. Um, and King Ahaz is the king of Judah. Again, Judah or Israel had split into two, the north and the southern, and, and they've got two kings. And this, um, these, these uh, Syria and Ephraim are the, the ten northern tribes of Israel. They were revolting against their captor, Assyria. Okay? And basically what they're trying to do is they're trying to force King Ahaz into, to join them in this revolt. And he's not sure he doesn't want to do that. So then basically they're starting to get to the point where, well, we're going to, well, if we have to, we'll remove you as king and we'll put our own king in there and, and get this cooperation happening. And so he's kind of trembling here because these armies are mounting. And, you know, God tells Ahaz, and this is through the prophet Isaiah, um, that he doesn't need to worry about this and tells him to ask for any sign in verse 11 to prove that what is being said is true, what God is saying is true. So, so cut Catch what's going on here. So, again, you've got an army, armies outside your door, so to speak. And this prophet comes, Isaiah comes, and, and God is speaking through him. That's how God would speak to his people, uh, was through prophets. And, 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 again, Isaiah is telling him, God's saying, you don't need to worry about it. But then God gives him the opportunity to say, tell me what sign you want, and, and, and I'll give you that sign so that you know that this is legitimate, Right? How many of you here would love that option when you're asking God for something, or God, is this really you? How many, you can show your hands on this one. I think pretty much the whole room, most of you, right? But it's like, God, you know, yeah, we always ask for that. Show, give me a sign. Give me the neon sign in the sky, right? That's, that's what we, you know, we still walk it out. But here God is giving him this opportunity. But for some reason, King Ahaz says he, he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do it. And I'm going to park that question just for a moment. I want to do some more unpacking, and then we're going to kind of come back around to, to why wouldn't King Ahaz say, yeah, I, do this. You know, when you read through this, the passage there, I mean, it's like whatever from the highest high to the lowest low you can think of, whatever that is, ask, and I will show you that, that this is me speaking. And, you know, one of the struggles here that's happening, and I think if, if we're, if we really kind of put ourselves in this or we look at it in, in, in an honest way is King Ahaz was beginning to trust the power of man over the power of God, all right? When he's looking, and again, most of us have never had an army standing outside our door, so to speak, but in that situation, in the physical, what he could see, he's feeling that stress, he's feeling that pressure, and so again, he's trying to think of, well, what where's my strength, or where's our military, or how can we, if we're not strong enough, how can we ever stand up against this army that's mounting outside? And I think oftentimes, for ourselves, we can also fall into that same trap, can't we? We can get so caught up in what we're seeing, 
We can get so caught up in, in what we can put our hands on, what we can touch, and the power or control that we have or think we have, that we forget that we serve a God who can do anything. We serve a God who is truly ruler over all. And so, you know, I think before we judge King Ahaz too harshly, we need to put ourselves in his shoes and think about where we might be. And so, what does God do? King Ahaz says he doesn't want anything, and again, we'll come back to that soon. But then in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, God goes, he goes ahead and, 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 and the, he, he basically gives, here's, here's going to be your sign. This is the sign that I will send. And he says in 714, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, this should ring some bells for all of us in here. This is probably every Christmas play you've ever been at or been a part of or seen. Usually this is read, and it comes from the Gospel of Matthew. And if you remember, it's when uh, the angel comes to Joseph and tells him about Mary, he quotes this directly, doesn't he? He says the exact same thing. And so, you know, some of you here maybe are starting to do the math, right? That, okay, hang on a second. Jesus is a sign, but Jesus didn't come for seven, eight hundred years, till seven hundred, eight hundred years later. <laughs> you think King Ahaz was still hanging around then, like sitting there waiting, oh, where's my sign? No, there's something else here, and this is, uh, this is where we kind of need to unpack and, and deep dive a little bit, just to give you some understanding that, about prophecies and things and when they happen. Um, and so what happens is, is, is a lot of times with prophecy, it comes, and there's usually an initial partial fulfillment, if you will, that, that points to its ultimate fulfillment in the future, okay? That's the short version. Now, let's kind of unpack this a little more. Um, if you have your Bibles there, you can turn to verse 16. Um, otherwise, I'll just kind of uh, quote it or get it for you. It's verse 16. When you get there, it starts to talk about, and it says that before the boys of age, where he knows good from evil, which is estimated around 12 to 14 years old, that those intending to harm Ahaz would be wiped out. And again, math here comes in, you're like, wait a second. So what does this prophecy mean then? Because again, as I said, Jesus wasn't coming for seven centuries still. And the way the answer comes in actually in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 3. And this is what it says. And, and it says, and I, and it's Isaiah talking about himself, went to the prophetess and she conceived and bore a son. Now, again, is this son Emmanuel? No, so this is not God being born. This is not God in the form of man. This is, this is something else, but it's something that's pointing us to the ultimate promise. And again, it's, it's very common for these things to happen. It's always, um, Scripture's always giving us kind of foreshadows of what's to come, right? When we look at Moses, for example, Moses went in and he went into Egypt. He was, you know, God sent him to Egypt. To what? To lead the children of Israel out. In Egypt represents the world. Moses was Jesus, or represented Jesus. He wasn't Jesus. He represented Jesus. Goes into the world to bring the world out to go where? To, to the promised land, right? And that's, that was showing Jesus coming for us, coming into the world, not just kind of scooping in, but he came into the world, right? And he, he is leading us out from the world, from our sin, into Eternity with him into the promised land, right? 
So there's, there's a foreshadowing that's taking place, and that's the same thing that's, that's uh, happening here. And so here we see this, this foreshadow and a partial fulfillment through the birth of this boy, but it is ultimately pointing to the ultimate boy that was coming, Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. And again, we need to remember that, that, that when Jesus came, and, and we sing that song today, Emmanuel, we talked about Emmanuel, and Emmanuel means God with us. And that's something for us to, that we need to be reminded of today. Like, that God came and God was with us and is with us even today. And so let's now kind of hold some of these thoughts and hold, hold all of this. And we're going to um, just pray right now. And then we're going to go in further into scripture as we continue to unpack um, the, uh, the, what we have in store for today. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, again, that you... Um, you could have intervened in many other ways, but you chose to, to be Emmanuel, to be God with us, meaning you are present and amongst us and living with us, Lord God. And so we are grateful that we serve a God who, who knows us and, and who has walked with us. And so, Lord, we thank you uh, again for that thought today. I thank you for your word today. Um, Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that is at work. And so, God, we pray this would come alive, that it would speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, again, so we've done a little bit of unpacking here, and we're going to kind of move into now um, what we're going to get into in this series of these, these four names for God, uh, for Jesus, and that was assigned to him. And specifically, we're going to talk about Wonderful Counselor. But we're going to read that section of, of Scripture that was read with the lighting of the candle um, in, in a little bigger context. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and move over to chapter 9 now. So we've gone 7, 8, now chapter 9. And I would encourage you to go, go jump into this this week. You know, open your Bibles, get into the Word, get into Isaiah, and, and read through some of this so you can really fully understand, because we just don't have the time on a Sunday morning to unpack everything. But it's really good to understand the context and what's, what all is going on. And so Isaiah chapter 9, and beginning in verse 2, it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Uh, you have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. Uh, they rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, uh, as they are glad when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his, sorry, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as many as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping, tramping warrior in battle tumult and every uh, garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. And here comes the familiar passage. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and, and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And so... Again, we see these, these four names assigned, these, these four um, um, descriptions, really, of God's character. Again, going back to what we talked about at the beginning about what a name means. That you know, it's, it's more than just a name, but there is a meaning behind it. And so this first name, um, Wonderful Counselor, um, some translations, if you read the King James, I think there's a couple other ones, um, they, they chose to put a comma between Wonderful and Counselor to say that it's two separate words, um, but... 
most scholars agree that those words should be together. It shouldn't just be wonderful and counselor, it should be wonderful counselor. And so that's the approach that we're going to take to name today. But re remember, though, that, that the, these are not just names, like a nickname or something to refer to Jesus, but these are names that, that, that attempt to describe who he really is. And when I say attempt, it's just our language falls short, doesn't it? Our minds, I mean, we're created beings trying to understand uh, uh, an all-eternal, all-knowing God. And so we will fall short <laughs> at some point, but we can at least get an idea maybe of what's being said. So let's take that first word, wonderful. Anybody watch uh, It's a Wonderful Life and during the holiday season? Most people. I tried a Jimmy Stewart impression in the first service. It didn't go well, so I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. No, no. It's bad, right? Is that not it? It's bad. Okay. Maybe I got to do more. All right. Next, next year, I'll do the whole, like a whole thing from the movie. But man, tough crowd. I didn't know it was that bad. Anyway, um, so wonderful. This word wonderful. We use wonderful all the time, don't we? Probably at Thanksgiving time when the turkey came out or that piece of pumpkin pie or whatever your favorite pie is. And you take that first bite and oh my goodness, this is wonderful, right? We use wonderful to describe everything. Um, I mean, I love, like, look at the decorations in here. I love the decorations at Christmas time. I love Christmas time. And, you know, and I, I say it all the time, that looks wonderful. Um, it was funny after the first service, because um, <laughs> I talked about this and how we use it, and, and you'll find out more about it soon. But then, then I caught some people, and they were saying wonderful, and they were catching themselves. And so they're going to be stuck all week probably with this the cycle, you know, every time they say wonderful, because really wonderful, um, uh, especially in scripture, is, it's, it's very significant. It's not just thrown around. Um, it comes from the word pele, and it's, it's, uh, it's a Hebrew term that comes from a root that, listen to this, almost exclusively is used of the things that only God can do. Now, you may say my mom's apple pie is, you know, up there, and it's true, it can be, but, but in, in, in the context of, and this is where, let me just give you just a quick side note. When you study scripture, you've got to slow things down. Because we bring so much into scripture, don't we? We read a word, and the way it's translated, you know, you can just immediately think of what your understanding of it is, or that definition, but if it can fall shorter, you can miss the depth. And so here with this word wonderful, to understand that it's usually only used to refer to the things that God can do. Because when, so when, when Hebrew readers would see this term, it would immediately alert them to the fact that something is being described that is beyond human capability. Let that sink in just for a second. That is beyond human capability. That it, you cannot touch that as a human being. And I think that's pretty significant here, and I think it's pretty pretty awesome too that that Jesus came as a baby that Jesus walked the earth as a man you know fully God fully man but yet he's given this term wonderful counselor that he's given this term that again is beyond human capability even though he was walking as a human but to, to I think recognize the God side of him and to recognize who he was I think this word wonderful just completely uh, encapsules that. And uh, another way to, to describe it too, this wonderful is extraordinary um, or magnificent, right? So again, when we hear this term wonderful counselor, wonderful, this extraordinary, right? Extraordinary, um, beyond what we can do, magnificent, all of these words apply in that, in that one word, wonderful. And then we move to 
the second word of, of this, this name, wonderful counselor. And counselor, um, it comes from the term yawets, and it translates as counselor, and it means who advises, who instructs, or guides, or gives wisdom, or gives wisdom. Now, again, we've probably heard this term counselor a lot, right? It's a very common term in our day and age. Um, many of us maybe have gone to a counselor at different times for different things. Um, maybe we know somebody, and, and more and more it's become more prevalent, and that's, that's great. It's great to have counselors. Um, another place we could go is, is to Scripture, and you think of maybe King Solomon, right? King Solomon had a, a tremendous amount of wisdom, and he would actually sit there, and, and, and people would come to the, him with their problems or with their, their issues, and God had given them wisdom to be able to, to resolve these things. And so that's another kind of uh, picture we can have in our mind when we think of this word, counselor. So again... But we need to remember that this is, this is God. He's not just a counselor in the sense of like somebody that we go and share our problems with. He's much, much more. You see, God is different than just a regular counselor because really a, a regular counselor cannot change our problems necessarily. Our, a regular counselor can give us advice, can give us wisdom, can help us process through, and, and hopefully through that time, they can ultimately lead to some sort of uh, change in us, and it ultimately changes our situation. But a lot of times, we have to change that situation, don't we? The beauty of Jesus being given this, this word counselor, again, is that he is so much more than just that. Why? Because he has the power and he has the authority to change the situation. He has the ability, why? Because he has walked in our shoes, so to speak, right? Again, most counselors maybe haven't experienced your specific challenge. They may have studied it. They may have helped other people with it. So they have a knowledge and understanding of it. But they, they maybe haven't experienced it that, them themselves. And so, you know, again, why is, this, why is Jesus so amazing in this term so... Um, uh, again, wonderful, right? Can we use that? And it's because, first, because he is God, and also he understands. And to go along again with this line of thinking that he understands and has walked in our shoes, in Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16, it says it this way. It says, Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Now listen to verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I don't know about you, but that really encourages me today. That encourages me that, that again, he has been tempted in every way. He has faced every challenge that we can imagine you know, he was abandoned, he was, he, was, he was beaten, he was betrayed. All of these things, he experienced all of those things. Yet he never sinned. And so, again, we need to come back to that thought, that this, this idea of being a wonderful counselor, that Jesus has been where we are. He has faced what we face. And so, again, he comes alongside of us, one, to bring us comfort, to encourage us, but also somebody that's been there, Right? I've used this illustration before, but I think it bears repeating. You know, it's the travel agent versus the tour guide. You know, the travel agent can whip out the brochures. They can show you the pictures. They can go through the information. They can tell you all about a place. 
But a tour guide is somebody that probably lives in that place, that has walked that road, has experienced all of the pitfalls along the way, and as they're guiding you on that path, they're doing, it, doing so from a place of understanding. Why? Because they've been there before. And so, again, Jesus for us is, is, is exactly the same way. Is, yes, I've been there before, and I have not sinned. And so Jesus comes alongside, empowers us, but also walks with us from a place of understanding. And so then there in verse 16, then, then we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of that often. Because time and time again, there's, we just make our mistakes, don't we? We, we fall, we, we mess things up, we sin. But because Jesus is there as our wonderful counselor, and he's there and, and has, has, has walked that walk, so to speak, and he's paid the price, we can then come boldly with confidence to the throne of grace. And I don't know about you, but I need lots of mercy and grace in my life. And that is such an encouragement to us today. And so here we have this, this, this again, this name, this wonderful counselor. That is who our Jesus is. That is one aspect of who he is. And um, for the rest of our time, I, I want to just walk through uh, something that I came across by uh, pastor and theologian J.D. Greer. And it, this is, he said, how we must approach the wonderful counselor. And he gave three things, and I thought they were really good. I want to share them today with you um, as we, we just kind of, again, now, we understand as best we can maybe what wonderful counselor means, but now how do we, what does that mean in our approach to him? The first thing that it means is that we have to be completely honest with him. To be completely honest with him. Now again, maybe at the surface level we're like, yeah, I'm, I'm honest. I'm an honest person. But if you've ever gone to a counselor, if you've ever had to share depths of you know, your soul if we're honest, I think that there's a struggle at times, isn't there, to put it all out there. We have a tendency a lot of times to keep the truth about our problems hidden, don't we? Sometimes shame stands between us and putting it all out there. Maybe it's something that we've done in our past and, you know, we don't want to just, we don't want anyone to know about that. Even somebody that needs to know about it. Or maybe it's something that's been done to us in our past. And, you know, let me just say right now, too, that that's, it's understandable, right? Because a lot of times sharing that or going there or putting that out there, it means we're bringing up all of those emotions, those feelings, anything that was tied to that, good, bad, or ugly, and it can be incredibly painful. And so sometimes as a coping mechanism, we sort of just push it down. But if we're talking to a counselor, when we come to Jesus especially, we have to be able to put it all out there. We have to be completely honest with him. Because it's until we do that, until we're fully open, we really can't get the help that we need, can we? We have to go to that place. We have to share uh, the depths of, of, of everything. Because here's, here's why, and this is why we have to, and because being changed by Jesus oftentimes only happens when we stop trying to hide our mess. All right? When we stop trying to hide our mess. Um, Recently, before the holidays, before our friends were coming into town, we had some friends here for the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. We, um, as many of you know, we have a puppy, and uh, he sometimes has, I think he's colorblind, because our carpet apparently looks the same color as the grass outside. And so, you know, he feels free to, to do those things that he has to do. Um, he's gotten a lot better, and we haven't had a lot of accidents recently, but he went through a phase where 
all carpet was like free game for him, right? And he, that dog can hold a lot of liquid. I'll just say that. Um, and so, you know, we, we had a, a season where it was just everywhere, not just liquid. So we, we went ahead and made the decision we wanted to have our carpets cleaned, right? And it's really humbling, okay, to, to and have somebody come over to the house, somebody you've never met before, this stranger, and, you know, we've got to take him because the dog is in our room sometimes, so we're taking him into our bedroom. And I don't know if you've ever done this before. It's like a fun game now for our kids and our family, but we've got a black light. Anybody ever used one of these? If you've never used it in your house or on your carpet, don't do it because it'll ruin you, like, forever. You'll have to get, like, all new stuff. Um, what a black light does is it shows, like, where the stains are at, Okay. Um, you know, and the, when the lights are on in the daytime, whatever, you know, and you can, we have like the, the carpet cleaner too, like the, you know, the water soap thing and all that, the heat. We have that too. So we clean up the messes, you know, and it smells good and it looks good. <laughs> but when he turned out the light and he has the real powerful black light and he's walking, you see like these stains all over the carpet, right? Nobody's ever going to come to our house now. Um, you see the stains all over the carpet and you're like, oh my gosh, this is disgusting, you know? On the surface, it looks great. It looks fine. But we kind of had to, like, just put it all out there, right? We had to let this guy come into our, our, our room and into our house and, and shine this light everywhere and find where the deep stains were. Why? Because he had the right equipment to be able to remove those stains. And it was his job, right? And though it was a little kind of weird and awkward uh, for us, more or less, we had to go through that in order to get to a place where everything could be cleaned properly and removed. And, you know, that can easily, and I'm sure you see where this is all going, isn't that really the way it is with, with Jesus and what we're talking about? Why do, we, why do we let Jesus come into those places in our life? Why do we let him uh, go into those areas that are, you know, we just hid away for so long? Well, it's because he has what it takes to remove those things, to take them out of our life. And to take it even one step further, in case you weren't aware, he already knows anyway. <laughs> it's not like a surprise to him. But we have to cooperate and we have to say, all right, God, I'm going to let you enter into this area because I trust you and I know that you want the best for me. You want the best. You want to help me and to remove this from my life. But it may not be comfortable. You see, I believe this is going back to the beginning um, where we, when we were talking about uh, uh, King Ahaz. He, I believe, did not want to let God come into those areas. He didn't, he didn't want that sign because then he knew he would truly have to submit to God, not just as Savior, but also as Lord. And we talk about this often. We use these two terms, right? I think, again, we, Savior's pretty easy. To be, we want to be saved, but to allow God to be Lord of our life requires a surrender on our part, doesn't it? It requires a trust on our part to say, Lord, do what you need to do. I, I just want to be made more like you. I want to walk my life free of whatever it is. And so, again... We need to allow the Lord into these areas. You see, when God changes our life, 
we have to be very active in the details. And if we're honest about them, then, then we can really get down to the nitty gritty and to fix some things. There's nothing that you can tell Jesus about yourself that will surprise him or make him turn away in disgust. And do you know why? It's because of the work of the cross. And that's the beauty of the cross, is that Jesus paid for all of that. He, he bled and died for all of that junk to cover that. So, again, we have to be completely honest. That's, that's number one. Number two, we have to want to be healed, all right? In John chapter 5, when Jesus comes up on a lame man who'd been paralyzed basically his whole life, he asks this question. I don't know if you ever stop and think about these things. You need to. You know, so he comes up to this, this guy that's been paralyzed his, his whole life, just about, and he says, do you want to be healed? Now, again, I don't know if you think about that, but it's like, who would say no to that question, right? If somebody has been paralyzed and they're given the, the opportunity to be able to stand and to walk and to run and to get around, it's like, you know, why would, why would he ask that question, do you want to be healed? But in a lot of ways, we are similar to that, that, that layman, and we need to answer that question because many of us say we want Jesus to do this or that in our lives. But if we're not prepared to take on what it will take to get there, <laughs> then we answer that question, no. Now, again, I've seen people, I've seen people with addictions. I've seen people, you know, with struggles. And, and, and I see them when they come to, to Christ and they're saved, you know, in a moment like that, they, they like, they walk away from it. There's no problem, you know. It's just like an, an instantaneous, um, they're, they're just set free from it. But I've also seen others, and it's, it's always kind of this question in my mind, like, you know, it's almost like a process. They've got to walk things out, right? And oftentimes I think it comes down to this, that, yes, we, we, we really like the idea of change. <laughs> but here's the thing, as long as, and I think in our minds a lot of times we think the change is out here, don't we? But really the change is here. Because it's easy to point out here. It's easy, like, yeah, that needs to change, or that person needs to do this different, da-da-da. But when, when Jesus kind of turns the mirror around back on ourselves, we're like, ooh, <laughs> I didn't mean that. But that's really where it has to start, doesn't it? It starts here. Most of our problems in life, can I give you a little secret? <laughs> Probably start with ourselves. It starts with us. When our heart's not right, when our thoughts aren't right, think about it. It starts here. We get ourselves into many of our messes, and then pretty much when we're right about to hear, then we're like, Lord, help me. <laughs> right? And we've just been shoveling, you know, digging ourselves in. We have to want to be set free. We have to want to be healed, and it's, it's, it's hard and it's challenging. Augustine, he said this in his writings and his confessions. He says this. He says, God, make me pure, just not yet. God, make me pure, just not yet. And again, I don't know that any of us or many of us would say that with our mouth, but I think with our actions, that's, that's how we live our lives a lot of time. We say we want to be pure. We want to be made pure and to be more like Jesus. But through our actions, we're like, eh, not quite yet. We have to be willing to look at ourselves. Change happens from the inside out. It doesn't happen from the outside in. 
And how many of us know that probably one of the most difficult things to change is, is ourselves? You know, I believe I've said it here before, but one of the most dangerous prayers I always say is, is when we pray the prayer, Jesus, make me more like you. Because <laughs> we don't realize what all comes with that, that statement, do we? He's like, Jesus, okay, I can do that. But it's going to be a tough road, right? And when things start getting challenging, when things start to really hit close to home, and, you know, and again, that's the beauty of walking with God. That's this whole uh, idea today of this wonderful counselor is because what happens is God comes in by his Holy Spirit, and he shows us the area, right? He shows us, he shines that black light on that spot. And I know for myself, I think I want to stay kind of in the dark. I want to stay oblivious. Just like using that, I think that carpet illustration is so wonderful because I like it a lot better when I didn't know that all that was there because it just looks fine to me. But once I know that it's there, even if you turn the lights back on and I don't see it, with my, I know it's there. And so what does that mean? Well, now I got to deal with it. <laughs> I got to deal with it. And God is wanting us today. He's, he's, he's shining that light. And, and through this season, he wants to be that wonderful counselor. He wants to show us not to say, aha, look at that, and make fun of us and, and put us, you know, embarrass us. No, he's like, I want to help you get that gone. I want to I remove that from your life. It doesn't need to be a hindrance. It doesn't need to stay. Why? Because I have the right tools in the van outside to get that out of there. <laughs> Jesus wants to do that with you and with me today. And can I tell you something, just in case one or two people in here are watching online, maybe it's not coming through. All of us have a spot. Ain't none of us arrived yet. I just said ain't from the pulpit, but ain't none of us arrived yet, have we? And the moment you think you have, that's your spot right there. And it's okay. God wants to help. God wants to heal. God wants to take that and make something beautiful out of it and take it from you. But we have to be willing to say, yes, I'm willing. We have to want to be healed. Lastly, <laughs> oh, this is a fun one. Here it is, simple. We have to do whatever he says. I know, like totally blew your mind on that statement, didn't it? It's, it's a simple statement, isn't it? When I say in my house a lot to my kids, just do what I say. I don't know if you ever played that game like where you're blindfolded and you got somebody calling out like where to go and you have all these people doing the same thing. You're trying to like win this race and you got to listen for your teammates voice and they're telling you how many steps. It's scary because you have to trust that person, don't you? You want to pull the blindfold off so you can see and, and be able to do it yourself, but to put full trust in somebody that has to walk you through something is scary. But we have to come to that place to do whatever Jesus says. I mean, throughout the Gospels, Jesus is constantly asking people to do crazy things, right? Remember the disciples, before he called the disciples, they'd come in from fishing. These were professional fishermen, knew the waters like the back of their hand, caught nothing. And here's this man on the side of the, on the bank of the, the, the water there saying, hey, push out again, put your nets down on this side, and you'll, you'll get a catch. And they kind of reluctantly did it, and then they got this catch that they, their boat couldn't even contain. It went totally against this, what they knew. But they did it anyway. They, they trusted Jesus. Another time when Jesus 
spits in the mud, right? A blind guy. He spits in the dirt and makes mud and slaps it on his eyeballs and says, hey, you know, you're healed. Now go across town. Imagine this guy walking through town with all this mud and spit on his face to go rinse off in this pool somewhere. But he did it. And you know what? He was healed. He was healed. Another time when Peter, he needed a gold coin, if you remember, in the Gospels. And, and Jesus says, go catch a fish and you'll find a coin in his mouth. Like, can't you just like pull one out of your pocket or something? I mean, but what he's looking for, what Jesus is looking for, what the wonderful counselor is looking for is our complete trust in him to do whatever he says. Not to like hold it over us or, you know, to entertain himself because, but he wants to help us. And you know the sad part? <laughs> the sad part is we will listen more to the counselor we go to see once a week in an office somewhere here than we will to the Lord himself. <laughs> that person in that room when you're on that couch or whatever, they can say, go home and pull out a crate and stand on one foot and put your finger on your nose and you know, count backwards from 60 or something and okay, he'll do it. But when Jesus says, you know, talk to that person, when Jesus says, go to church, be at church this Sunday, they're like, meh, I think I'll, I, I've got this. I don't need to do that. We have to be willing to be obedient and willing to do whatever he says. Why? Because we need to trust him. Again, once again, making Jesus Lord and not just Savior. So in conclusion today, church, again, as we kick off this Advent season and as we start with this, this, this name for Jesus called Wonderful Counselor, we have to understand that that is who he is. It's not even what he is, it's, that is who Jesus is. That's one aspect of Jesus. He's this wonderful, beyond description, only God deserves this term, wonderful counselor, this, this person that has wisdom and guidance and cares for you and for me in a way that we could never understand. And his intentions have never changed. He loves you. He wants the best for you. And when I say the best, it doesn't necessarily mean the easiest, amen? The best is not always the easiest. Sometimes the best is the most challenging and the hardest thing that we may never wanna do, but he's calling us to it. You see, Jesus was sent by God the Father to deal with a true enemy, and this is what I want you to get today. That true enemy was the sin in our own hearts that it caused the separation from God our Father. You see, he didn't care as much about the armies outside the gate in the physical as he did reuniting a person with him, building that relationship, being able to have that relationship once again. And that's the beauty of, of the cross of Jesus Christ. It hit me in the first service when I was sitting down and, and looking up here, and I love this scene right here of, of the manger, a very simple scene. And even all these things appear in, in this, this Christmas scene, but you can't look at this without seeing that back there, can you? As great as this is, without that, it was for what, right? If, think about it, if Jesus had just been sent into the world <laughs> to just hang out, do some great things, but he was sent in the world, he started here to end up there so that we can ultimately end up 
in relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. And that is the beauty of this season. While we focus on the birth, we cannot do so without seeing the shadow of the cross in the distance. And it all is about here. It's about removing that sin inside our hearts again so we no longer are separated from God our Father. Amen. Would you bow your heads? Father God, I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for, Lord, your word. God, for this season that we have to celebrate your birth, Lord Jesus. God, that you came into the world. God, we thank you today that you truly are our wonderful counselor, that you see exactly where we're at, that you see every moment of our life and that you see every pain and struggle, not from a distance, Lord, but but from a place of understanding because you have been there as well. And if you're here in this place today or if you're watching online and you don't know what it is to have this wonderful counselor in your life, to have Jesus in your life, I would encourage you to make this the day. What better time of year, what better season than this season as we enter in and and let this season come alive as we celebrate the birth of the one who could restore our relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. And if that's you today, I just encourage you that you would confess that, that you're a sinner, the same as all of us, that we have sin in our lives, that we, we, we need a Savior, and we recognize that Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead. And lo- allow him and invite him to come into your life, not just as a Savior, but also as Lord. And he will. He will answer that. And Lord God, I just I thank you that, that you have made a way. You have made a way to exit the bondage of this world and to be set free from the chains of our sins. Thank you, Lord. As we celebrate your birth, Lord, that we do so, Lord, seeing the cross in the distance, that knowing that that is where the fulfillment of of God's plan would take place and that we could once again be reunited in in right standing and be in relationship with our creator. God, we thank you that you are a wonderful counselor and I thank you that you are present with each person here in this place and that you continue, Lord, to walk with us as we continue to place our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand?